We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers. For all of you fine folks on the other side of the speaker, appreciate you tuning in. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Today, we're going to talk about the 49ers preparing for their next matchup, a another reunion. I think, it, what is it? Second time in three weeks, I think they went Seahawks, Eagles, Seahawks. The bird tour continues. If you don't know, if you don't care, well, if you don't care, it's too, you're here, you're going to hear about it. You know, you have to know about the 49ers bird tour. I don't think this has gotten enough press. I don't think it's gotten enough hype. I don't think it's it, the, the, the importance of what the 49ers are doing right now cannot be cannot be overstated because in week 12, they played against the Seahawks, which is a bird. All right. They their logo, their mascot is a bird. All right. So and then week 13, they played against the Eagles. All right. And their logo and their mascot is also a bird. Okay. The Eagles. I I don't even know if a Seahawk is really a real thing, but it's it's, they're playing it again in week 14. That's this week. It's, It's another bird. It's a Seahawk. Okay. So that's three birds in a row. And next week in week 15, they're gonna play against the Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals, which is also a bird. Okay, their logo, their mascot is another bird. So that's four birds in a row, folks. But we're not done yet. Oh, no, 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 no. Come on, come back, come back here. Come back over here, sit down. We're not done. Come on, sit down, come back. Week 16, two weeks from now, the 49ers are going to play against the Ravens. Also a bird. That is one bird, two birds, three birds, four birds, five birds in a row. Can you believe it? Five birds in a row, guys. The 49ers need to figure out how to beat five birds in a row. Has it ever been done in the history of the NFL? Five birds in a row? Are you kidding me? Anyways, I'm sorry. I, I I drugged that out probably a little bit longer than it needed to. But I'm having fun, man. I'm just smiling on this end of the mic. I hope you guys are smiling on the other end of the speaker. And if you're not, you probably you were either smiling and chuckling or you just turned it off. That's just, I, I really only see one of two things happening here. Now, look, the 49ers are playing the Seahawks for the second time in two weeks. There's not as much to talk about. We just talked about it all. You guys just heard it all two weeks ago. We'll get into it a little bit. We'll talk about the situation the 49ers find find themselves in. Of course, the 49ers always find themselves in in situations. I am currently uh, just making sure I've got the I've got the uh, you know the playoff picture stuff up. The you know the standings, all that stuff. I want to make sure I've got it in front of me. Um, punching it in in the old computer. Boop, 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 boop. Um, I don't like this one. It works. It works. It works. It's NFC and AFC. We'll stick with it. All right. First things first. I um uh, I always start with injuries. You know this. The 49ers are expected to lose one defensive lineman, Eric Armstead, 
for at least this week, possibly a couple weeks. Um, I think the 49ers see it as like, look, if, if, if he's riding the line, if, if this were, you know, the playoffs, would he play? Kyle Shanahan hasn't dropped that line uh, yet. He said it in the past. Uh, I, I think the 49ers are looking at it like, man, we've got a special team. We think we're about to go on a run. We know we need to win every one of these games, but our next two games against the Seahawks and the Cardinals, two teams that we know well, two teams, two teams that we think we can beat um, handedly. At least they should. That's not how it all works, especially in the division. We talk about it. Division games just get weird. But I think they figure like if now here's the thing before I even say that about giving Armstead time off and maybe he could play if he had to. Kyle Shanahan didn't even seem that confident in the severity of the injury. He said he didn't think, think it was serious. He said he didn't even know specifically where the injury occurred, meaning it wasn't serious, like it wasn't an ACL, MCL, you know, all that PCL, all that stuff. So that's good, no matter what. But he didn't wasn't even really sure how long Eric Armstead was going to be out. He did just say he's going to miss one or two weeks. And, you know, hopefully that timeline holds up for the 49ers. Armstead, on the other hand, was uh, again nominated by the 49ers for their Walter Payton Man of the Year. Basically, it's it's the NFL's like humanitarian award. Like, there's so many NFL players out there that go above and beyond in their community to help people out. Um, and Eric Armstead has always seemed like that that guy. I know that he's very very highly respected in Sacramento, which I believe where he's from or where he resides. And uh, it was such a cool video. It showed kind of. Um, Steve Wilkes and talking to the defensive group saying, Hey, you know, Eric Armstead's been nominated again. Check it out on the 49ers YouTube channel. If you haven't already, I think they posted it on Twitter as well. And it showed some testimonials from like Randy Gregory, Chase Young, Javon Kinlaw, all of them. I mean, Javon Kinlaw, especially it was clear that they were trying to hold back tears talking about what Armstead's presence on that team means to them. Uh, it was just a really high level video, high level presentation. You know, it, it was clear that, there is a very good reason why Armstead is still on this team. He is the last player and has been the last player since Jimmy Ward was um, was not re-signed. That remains from the pre-Shanahan era, you know. And and what's crazy is I think back to that pick, man. I was I was not that excited about Eric Armstead to begin with. I remember just kind of questioning the pick every time I heard about it, and you know, little did I know, young little Rob Lauder. Um. It ended up working out, and one th- I, it wasn't it wasn't recently. I could look it up again if I have to, but I, I at one point I wouldn't want to say three or four weeks ago in the season. I just looked up Eric Armstead's PFF grade, and then I looked up DeForest Buckner's PFF grade, and that was this was only like a few games ago, and they were the exact same grade. <laughs> I mean, because obviously you know the 49ers kind of chose to stick with Armstead and trade Buckner for the 13th overall pick. And part, part of that had to do with one Buckner would have been paid more than Armstead and Armstead's value was less, meaning they wouldn't have gotten a 13th overall pick. So anyways, let's see where that now. And now uh, Eric Armstead has turned the tides right now. Eric Armstead's whether or not you subscribe to PFF, I'm, it's just something I'm referencing right now. Eric Armstead's overall grade is an 81.9 right now. Uh, DeFore Buckner's is a 76.4. The last time I checked, three or four games ago, they were tied. So Armstead has has pulled away a little bit. Not that the 49ers wouldn't have been great if they would have kept Buckner. I mean, I, I, one of my favorite players to ever, ever, you know, to, to be drafted by the 49ers over the last like decade was Buckner. So that was a little heartbreaking when he when he hit the when he hit the road. But it just shows that they weren't off base in sticking with Armstead, who's been great. He's been good. Yeah, he started out with a couple bad seasons, missed some time, and then ever since then, he's 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 done really, really well. He's one of the the best and most respected defensive linemen in the NFL, on and off the field, getting back to my point. So the 49ers put together that video. It's a real tearjerker, tear happy tears, if you will. Check it out. It's awesome. So the 49ers have again nominated uh, Armstead as their Walter Payton Man of the Year. Um, who picks up uh, the slack along the interior? We'll see. I know Kalia Davis, um, their their second year player, um, fifth sixth round draft pick two years ago. Um, he got his first snaps, his first significant snaps in in the last game uh, against the Eagles, or at least I saw him on the field the most I've seen him in a while. And you know, Javon Kinlaw has been 
stepping it up a little bit, which is a big deal for him. You know, he's had a very, very rough go at it. Javon Kinlaw has since he was drafted, dealt with a lot of knee problems, just hasn't lived up to the draft slotting. Um, but between Javon Kinlaw, between Kalia Davis, Kevin Givens, there's going to be, I think rather than replace Armstead with any one player, they're probably going to have a solid rotation between those guys being Davis, Givens. Um, Hargrave is obviously probably going to get a little bit more burn. You could always mess around and throw throw outside guys onto the interior. At one point, put Kevin Givens and uh, Javon Kinlaw on the outside and put Nick Bosa and whoever you want on the, you know, Chase Young on the inside and just see what happens. I love when defensive lines do that, do that because it, it, se- it always seems like it produces this weird result. And offensive linemen don't necessarily prep for that either. And uh, it would be funny just to see him try it. Just, to, you know, they're obviously going to have to to do things a little bit differently with Armstead out there for a couple weeks. So it'll be interesting to see the platoon that replaces him. Uh, the 49ers also added veteran safety Logan Ryan to the roster. Uh, Ryan has been around for, I want to say, six, seven years, maybe more. More for sure. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10-year career. I think he's got a couple of Super Super Bowls under his belt. He started out playing quarterback, cornerback for the Patriots. He was there for four years. Then he played uh, corner for Tennessee for three years. And then after that point, when he hit 2020, he switched to safety. Played some free safety, played some strong safety, has done both. And really what that addition means is the 49ers are adding a veteran to that group that just knows what the hell is going on. Somebody that if uh, Deshaun Gibson were to get hurt, I'll give you a knock for that one. There you go. Um, with, with Talano Hufunga out and with George Odom, right? I always get him and the linebacker mixed up. You guys know what I'm talking about. I've done it so many times. Let me look, 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 look, look. I felt like I was just about to get into like some sort of beat right there. Uh, yeah, it was George Odom. Okay, just making sure. Obviously, torn bicep vows to be back this season. And what that means, I don't know if we ever talked about that. If, if Odom does come back, outstanding special teams player, safety backup. I think it would probably have to be in like the NFC Championship game. So I'm sure the 49ers are hoping they get to see Odom again too, because that would mean that uh, you know NFC Championship things. So you've got at safety, you've got Jair Brown, Tashawn Gibson, Logan Ryan. That's it. That's all of them. Those are the ones. So obviously they had to add somebody there. Now they do have the practice squad. You do have Eric Harris, Eric Harris on the practice squad, which is an eight-year veteran, somebody that can come in. They have Taylor Hawkins, who's um, been on the team for a year. They do have safeties on the roster, but again, Logan Ryan's an addition that they can make. That somebody that could just come in and know what the hell is going on. He's a very smart player, instinctive player. Kyle Shanahan talked talked about him. Uh, said that he was just a tough player to beat, to trick, to scheme, to scheme open, and um, so that was a good addition for the 49ers. And again, it's just somebody. If if more of the wheels fall off the safety train, uh, they can get him in there and and hopefully kind of hit the ground running. So fallout from the Eagles. Um, it's been it's been roughly what has it been? No, it's, I mean it hasn't even been a week since the Eagles game. It's always fun as a teacher. Especially, especially middle school teacher. These boys are at that age where they follow their teams like crazy, and they'll come in first thing. You know, depending on what happened that Sunday, they'll come in and they know that you know that I follow the Niners. I've got some Niners stuff sitting around my desk, and they'll come in just first thing right when their silhouette hits the door. Louder about them Niners, and or if they lose, louder what happened to them Niners? That's and, and then they'll just start going. And what's funny is in the middle of class. I could be trying to keep it quiet so they can get to work. And, and all of a sudden one of them, I'll, I'll walk by and they'll like a little too loud. Go louder. Uh, Niners beat the Eagles so bad. Then some other kid will hear it be like, no, nah, wasn't that bad. They'll be okay. And then the whole class will just erupt. No, nah, man, they're horrible. They're trash. And it, it's so funny to listen, listen to. And I'll, excuse me. And I'll just stand there and just kind of laugh at them at times. You want them to be quiet, but then you listen to the content that's coming out of their mouth and you can't, can't help but laugh. So fallout from the Eagles, uh, 49ers are now back to being considered the best team in the NFL pretty unanimously, unanimously throughout the league. Um, Brock Purdy is now tied with Dak Prescott for the NFL MVP betting favorite. And uh, I don't, I mean, I don't know where I sit on it. I know that there's 
a lot of passionate opinions out there. And I think there's a lot of different ways to look at this. I think that is Purdy an NFL MVP favorite in my mind? Yes, absolutely. Now, does that mean that you are saying that he is the NFL's best quarterback? No, not necessarily. You're talking about in that moment during that season, the most valuable player. And if you want any example as to Purdy's value, I mean, what they always say when it comes to MVP is take that player off that team and and what happens. You know, that's you hear it all the time. Take that player off that team. What happens? That will speak to their value. Well, look no further than the 49ers um, last two games against the Eagles. The last game on Sunday, they absolutely worked over the Eagles and and don't really care about the amount of yards after the catch that Purdy had. We'll get into that in a little bit. But Purdy was great. Purdy was everything he needed to be. And they scored in six straight possessions, and they mopped the floor with the Eagles. Well, go back to the NFC Championship game. Purdy gets hurt in the very first drive. There was no mopping. There was no floor that fell out from under them, you know, and it was just a completely, it's not an invalid game. It's not an invalid experience. It it counts. It does, especially when Purdy got hurt because you failed to block one of their best pass rushers. Like it's, this is not, you know, you don't have to go that deep. If the 49ers wanted to keep Purdy in that game, they should have blocked better, period. But if you're looking for a very black and white example of Purdy's value to both the 49ers um, and the NFL, especially the NFL, when you're talking about the fact that that was a championship game that ended up being almost worthless, there's his value right there. You saw how much better the 49ers were with Purdy. I mean, obviously, it's... Now, what made it even worse is the 49ers had already lost. They'd already lost Garoppolo. They'd already lost Lance. They had, they had nobody else. So that made it look even worse. But you've got a very a very easy, a very easy example of what it looks like when Purdy goes away. And there's been some good things coming out from... You just have to be... If you want to engage in that conversation, just be cognizant of who you're listening to and who you're talking to. Because they may not add any value to the conversation and they may only be looking to kind of like irritate you. I'm just speaking on social media and stuff like that. Because there's a lot of good stuff out there being said by good people that make sense. And it may not, they may not think Purdy is the MVP and that's fine. It's it's not an insult to say you don't feel he's the MVP. It's the most valuable player in the NFL. Purdy can still be really good and not be the MVP. That being said, I think Purdy has several statistical uh, several several stats backing up his MVP candidacy. It's not a fluke. I don't care that it's on Kyle Shanahan's offense. Um, you don't just penalize players for having like it's like MVPs don't just come from shitty teams. You know, like great players don't just come from shitty teams. You don't just have great quarterbacks on horrible teams that are just like all of a sudden favorites because they're on horrible teams. Like right now, Pat Mahomes is on a Chiefs team that really doesn't have a whole lot going for it in the way of pass catchers and playmakers other than Mahomes. I mean, you have you have Kelsey. He doesn't look 100%, you know, and, and it can't be all on him. And Mahomes is not an MVP favorite. So it's like, you know, like – if Mahomes still had Tyreek Hill and, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, whatever. You get the point. You're not going to discredit. You're, you're, not, you're not looking for reasons to discredit somebody just because they have skill around them. That's the whole idea of the NFL is to have good players on your roster. When you don't have good players on your roster, you don't play well, and therefore you're not an MVP candidate. So I, you can't have both. You can't have say, oh, well, you know, he's got great skill position players around him. Of course he's playing good. Well, if he had shitty position players around him, he wouldn't be playing good and therefore wouldn't be in this conversation. So to me, that's that's just a, a you can see how it's like a dog chasing his tail. It doesn't really make sense. Um, some of the things you can find easily find on social media that really debunk a lot of the things that people are saying about Purdy is, you know, check downs and yards after the catch. Well, all you got to do is search search Brock Purdy first on Twitter. 
Okay. And I just kept it in the top column. I didn't click latest or likes or lists or whatever. NFL on CBS, Brock Purdy, passer rating first, completion percentage first, touchdowns per attempt first, yards per attempt first, yards per completion first. PFF, Brock Purdy, 135.8 passer rating on 10-plus yard throws this season. Oh, but I thought I thought all he did was check it down. I'm sorry. First among all quarterbacks. KNBR, Brock Purdy, first in completion percentage, first in yards per attempt, first in air yards per attempt. But I thought... Thought all he did was check it down. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, first in quarterback rating. First in QBR, which is, I believe, ESPN's. Um, Chris Core, Brock Purdy ranks this season. Passer rating first. Completion percentage first. Okay. It's, it's, it's everywhere. You know, like the things that Purdy's doing better than any other quarterback are just all over the place. It's not a fluke. It's, it's not weird. There's not an anomaly to it. Yes, he's got great players, but so did Jimmy Garoppolo, and he was never an MVP favorite. And Kyle Shanahan's offense was not nearly as as dangerous and as dominant as it has been with Purdy. That much was obvious almost from the start during Brock Purdy's rookie season when he took over in Miami, and then they started rolling. And you're like, "Oh, hold on a minute, this looks this looks way different than we've than we've ever seen." Every single statistical stat of any real relevance looks good for Purdy. Like it's, you know, here's another one. Brock Purdy's has a 97.3 PF, PFF grade second in the NFL and adjusting completion percentage of 68.4, which is first on deep passes this season. So Brock Purdy is second and first in completion percentage on deep passes 20 plus yards a season. Like every little nook and cranny statistically that somebody's going to bring up to discredit what Purdy is doing, other than the fact that he's playing with good players, like no shit, John Lynch and Adam Peters actually know what they're doing. It, it, it all works. So Brock Purdy is unquestionably an NFL MVP. Whether or not you want to vote for him or not is, you know, obviously that's going to be up to the voters. But in the end, We've already seen what the 49ers team looks like without Purdy in the NFC Championship game last year. So it's just, it's all right there. It's all right there. Um, Guy Haberman of the Haberman and Middlecoff podcast. I wish I could speak. It's 930, though. I did take a nap, so I had a little bit of a rejuvenation, but, you know, I'm I'm just a little off my game. Normally, I'm not recording this late. I I am. You know you're old when you're saying 930 is late. Guy did a solo video where he was comparing Pat Mahomes' MVP season last year to this, to Brock Purdy's season this year, and, and all these other statistics. And again, head over to the Haberman and Middlecoff podcast. You guys have heard me reference them many times. They just they're my they're my favorite. They're my absolute favorite. I don't listen to that many 49ers podcasts. I don't. I listen to um it doesn't matter to listen to it's like like if 49ers talk Hebrew and cough candlestick chronicles uh, locked on 49ers every now and then Uh, i mean they just put out a ton of content so it's it's you know i'm not catching every single one but shout out to my boy croc um here's here's the comparison brock in 2023 on deep passes 20 plus yards down the field he's uh uh, those are 11 percent of his passes i don't know if these are completed but we'll just break it down like this way. On deep completions, I think our 11%. Mahomes was 9% last year. Uh, intermediate throws, he's at 23%. Mahomes is at 21% last year. Uh, short throws, shorter throws, 43%. Mahomes was 43% last year. Dak right now is at 45%. And then throws behind the line of scrimmage, Purdy is at 14%. And Mahomes last year was at 18%. Uh, he's ahead of, in, in a good way, he's ahead of um, Mahomes, uh, Burroughs, uh, Herbert, Jackson, Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts. He's ahead of all of them in terms of throws behind the line of scrimmage. And he's ahead of all of them, most of them on short throws. I, I mean, I don't know. He ranks second in the NFL in deep touchdown passes. It's just, uh, what do you want? You know what I mean? What do you want? Yes, I understand that Dak Prescott has played has played really really well, especially over the past four weeks. Um, but if if you look at the teams that they're playing, 
you know, they beat the Seahawks. Let's look at the last four teams. Seahawks, Commanders, Panthers, Giants. And then before that was uh, the Eagles, and he lost in a close game. You know, the Rams before that, the Chargers before that. And then you, by that time, you're back. I mean, look at that spread right there. Chargers, Eagles, obviously we know they're good. Giants, Panthers, Commanders, Seahawks. Like, eh. eh. You know, eh. he, he has absolutely lit it up, though. Three touchdowns, four touchdowns, two touchdowns, four touchdowns, three touchdowns, four touchdowns. One, 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 two, zero. You know, so I'm not, I'm not definitely not here to discredit Dak Prescott. He's having a great season. Um, I just, I, I don't see him having the season that's Purdy Purdy's having under, under the same conditions, not to mention the fact that Dak's been at it for a while. And when he's gone up against good teams, I mean, even then look at his game against the Eagles, he still had a hell of a game. So I think, I think Prescott's right there. I don't think he's quite on Purdy's level. I don't think what he's doing is as impressive, but if you're going to knock somebody for talent around him, you better, better, better not. Can't, can't include Dak in that conversation because he's got CeeDee Lamb. He's got Ferguson. He's got Pollard. He's got, you know, can't do that. Can't have, can't have talent around you. That's no good. He's got Brandon Cooks. He's got whoever the other one is that you start to lose track of players' names when you don't play fantasy more. Have I told you guys that? This is my first year in like 10 years not playing fantasy. Don't miss it at all. Period. Don't. I don't. I don't miss it at all. It's awesome to be able to watch football games and not care about who catches the ball, who runs the ball, or who scores. It's a lot more fun, anyways. So I think uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of substance to Purdy being an MVP favorite. It's not just because you know there's a lot of reason he's getting that credit, and I think a lot of it has to do with just how well he has played. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Another interesting thing, too, with, with Purdy is you hear just the constant bullshit about yards after the catch. And when you look at, I think it was Mike Sando of ESPN, um, he's always got, Sando's always got some of like the best information type pieces. Speaking of information type pieces, same thing like Nick Wagner on ESPN has been doing is just in really substantive, substantive information. I still don't think I said that right, but whatever, we're moving on. Uh, anyways, Purdy's yards after the catch numbers are like uh, completely average to the rest of the league. Like, and and in terms of like other MVP winners and candidates over the recent years, it's like below that average. So like the yards after the catch shit doesn't hold water. Yes, against the Eagles, they had crazy yards after the catch, but they really haven't done that all season. When was the last time you saw Debo break huge ass runs like that. They just haven't had as big of yards after the catch plays in the way the offense has been functioning lately. And even with the statistics from the Eagles and the massive yards after the catch, Brock Purdy's average is still right around normal. Like it's average. So it's, it's not even a thing. End point MVP is typically a quarterback award and 
and it's usually given to the quarterback on the best team. And it's not always given to the quarterback that wins the Super Bowl. They've usually decided it before then, I, I believe. So it, it's, it is what it is, man. He, he, the 49ers are one of, if not the best team in the NFL. Brock Purdy is playing like one of, if not the best quarterback in the NFL right now, statistically. And that doesn't mean that he is the best quarterback in the NFL, but he can win MVP without being considered the best quarterback in the NFL because he's the most valuable player on the most valuable team. And uh, if if I had to cast my vote for MVP right now, you know, I'd, I'd be a little torn between Purdy and Tyreek. And like I said, Dak is right there. He's playing well. We'll see how he does. Uh, the big thing with me is, is when it comes to Purdy versus Dak too, is they both, the two teams played each other and Purdy was way better than Dak. So anyways, they're not, they're not playing the same defenses, but Dallas's defense is no slouch. So um, we'll see how uh, how Dak looks against the Eagles. I, I said it earlier, Dak Prescott against the Eagles last time, he completed 66% of his passes. passes, passes? That'd be cool if, if passes, plural, was like that. Passes, like, you know, the scientific things. Uh, what's the, what's another thing that, what's another word that changes to an ease when it becomes plural? Uh, anyways, I, I digress. Um, Dak against the Eagles, 29 of 44, 66%, 374 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, he also had, they don't have, oh, they do have rushing way over here. Six carries, 14 yards, uh, one fumble. So he still had a good, good game last time they played Philadelphia. But if he's just, you can't just have good games and lose, you know, you've got to, it happens all the time, but. It, it, it'll go for, further for him if he can he can play that way and the rest of the team picks it up and, and they win. Um, so we'll see. Obviously a huge game for the 49ers coming up that they're not even participating in. Um, Stephen A. Smith, 49ers. The 49ers win against the Eagles illegitimized the Eagles NFC Championship win from last year. I thought that was a hilarious take. I don't necessarily agree with it, but it's pretty funny. It's very trollish, and I'm sure it got some people absolutely fuming. Um, something that hasn't happened yet. Moving on. No transition. Striking gold. Dre Greenlaw hasn't been fined. He hasn't been suspended. Uh, That could still be coming. They could still be reviewing the event and what's to come from it. They did put out a a league-wide address basically saying, like, if you're not involved in the game, then get the hell off the sideline. You shouldn't be there. And if you go back and watch that play, like that Dom guy from the Eagles is, is like on the sideline and he's the, from the start of the play, the closest guy to the play, which obviously is not where he should be. And what I thought was interesting about that was, and, and again, it could still happen. And obviously it would, it would change my opinion on the matter. But my opinion currently is Trey Greenlaw hasn't been fined. He hasn't been suspended. And the NFL put out a league wide press release saying, Hey, if you're not a coach or a player, then, you know, get off the sideline. And all that Dom guy was was team security, which who knows what the fuck that means, why you're on the sideline and not, you know, doing pacing back and forth behind the team. I don't know. But to me, that kind of solidifies a little bit more what I was saying, what a lot of people were saying about that incident was, look, should should Dre Greenlaw have put his hand in his face? No, but... In the end, that guy should never have been there. And so to me, anything Greenlaw did in that moment to a guy who was in his face and pushing him away from the football player that he just tackled is irrelevant at that point. You're not even fucking supposed to be there. You've now rendered the the whole situation mute and all bets are off. You know, and, and you're not even supposed to be here, man. You're not even supposed to be a part of this equation. So and, and that was interesting to me that he wasn't fined, he wasn't suspended, but the NFL put out a release saying everybody should that's not supposed to be there get the hell off the sideline. So that to me in a little way says who was in the right and who was in the wrong. I thought it was funny that Nick Sirianni said throughout the week that, you know, it was unfortunate that any that Dre Greenlaw had to be kicked out and he didn't want that to happen. And then there's directly a clip of him on camera at the game saying, you know, he better be thrown out. <laughs> like you can clearly read his lips. So that's bullshit. Anyways. So just an interesting development with the Greg and stuff. Okay. Let's get into prize picks, prize picks. I, um, I decided to get a little spicy. I decided to get a little spicy, uh, with prize picks. I put in my first five player entry. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you don't know what prize picks is, it's daily fantasy sports. Okay. You're picking, it's stat projections. 
two to six players, more or less. Pick your players, pick the stats, pick more or less, punch it in, watch the winnings roll in. What I like best about Price Picks is it's very easy, very simple, very intuitive, very easy to navigate, takes very little time. The mobile app is great. Everything just flows really well. I've never had anything happen with Price Picks that annoyed me. And anybody listening, including my wife, who is very, very, very close to becoming a mother, by the way, congratulations, boo. Um, knows that I absolutely hate when technology does not work as it's supposed to. Like when, when something has established how it's supposed to work and then it fails to do that thing, I get so frustrated because um, it's, it's basically like a, you know, a technological technology recreation of you had one job and you're not doing it. So I get pissed. Price fix does not do that. Price fix does not do that. It all works very smooth. What you want to do is you want to go to pricepix.com slash gold as in striking gold pricepix.com slash gold. And when it's time to punch in that promo code, punch in gold and they will match up to a hundred dollars on your first deposit. So if you're feeling, if you're feeling spicy, put in a hundred bucks and they're going to match a hundred bucks. All right. So get on there. Pricepix.com slash gold. Let's talk about my entries. I'm going with Brock Purdy, more than 256 passing yards. Now, the last time he played the Seahawks, he did not throw for more than 256 passing yards. I think he's going to be a little bit more comfortable in Levi Stadium. He didn't throw for for that many the last time they played in Seattle either. He he had his big numbers um, when they were in Levi Stadium. So I expect Brock Purdy to go pretty big. I think the Seahawks are going to – we'll talk about it in a little bit, but I think the Seahawks are going to come out just throwing haymakers trying their absolute best to benefit from some freak plays and make it a game. That's why I also picked DK Metcalf to have more than 64 yards, especially after what he did against the Cowboys. We'll talk about it. I think that um, the, the Seahawks are going to try and get, do their best to keep DK Metcalf flowing. Geno Smith, I think he's going to have more than 242 passing yards. I, again, I think that the Seahawks, whether it's successful or not, I think they're just going to be trying to sling the ball and make this a game um, somehow. Just be as aggressive, an, an aggressive approach, as aggressive as possible. Um, if uh, I should have pulled up Geno Smith's stats, I do have the last time they played the Seahawks. Geno Smith only threw for 180 yards, but I don't, I don't think this game's going to be like that. I think the Seahawks are going to come at it with a different approach. Uh, I think they're just going to be a lot more aggressive, kind of just, you know, they're six and five right now, or no, that's, that was when this game was played. I don't like that. NFL Jesus game stats and information sheet. Um, it, you know, it has their record when the game was played. I don't know if I like that. Let's go. Let's go on here. Six and six. 49ers are nine and three, six and six. Yeah. They're, they're right on the bubble of playoff contention. They're competing with the Rams for, you know, who are also on the bubble. I, I just think they're going to be very aggressive. Uh, I also, again, just like I did last week, picked Debo Samuel to have more than 13 and a half rushing yards. And I also picked Chase Young to have more than 0.25 sacks. So all he has to do at the very least is share a sack with somebody and boom, you're good. Um, so, and I did do a flex play, which is cool because it has tiers. It's like, if you get three, you get this. If you get four, you get this. If you get five, you get this. Um, oh yeah, payouts right here. So a payout, if you only get three out of the five correct, is is on a ten dollar flex play, you get four bucks. <laughs> but if you get three, if you get four out of the five, you get twenty bucks. And if you get five out of five, you get a hundred bucks. So it's it's fun. It's got some levels of winning. Um, at the you know what's nice about flex play, and if you're frugal like me, I guess you could say I've, I've never been a big um, a big wager guy. Never been a big gambler. But it, you know, flex play makes it harder to lose your money. It it makes you know. The winnings aren't as large, but, you know, playing it safe. Can't play not to lose. Whatever, man. Leave me alone. All right, so let's talk about the Seahawks. Let's talk about them. Let's just talk about the aura of the game. Less about the team in specifics. I'm not going to do the statistical breakdowns between the two teams like I typically do. Um, I, just talking about the situation. You know, this is – with the 49ers right now, the one thing that uh, I worry about for this team is – the last time they dominated in a very big game was when I know my striking gold listeners are very educated. They all just said it with me. Cowboys. 
What happened after the Cowboys? They proceeded to rattle off three straight losses in which the team looked very mediocre in all three. That to me is one of the more concerning things. It's it's not that they lost lost in these crazy games where the other team kind of like rose to the occasion, you know, stuff like that. They just looked mediocre in those three losses. So you're hoping that whatever lessons needed to be learned after that Cowboys win have already been learned, you know, and they talked about it. They talked about letting their foot off the gas and, you know, maybe believe in the hype a little bit. And at this point, they just, they can't afford to do that. They're on the bird tour, five straight birds. Nothing could be more important than those five birds, endangered birds, if you will. So, you know, is this the same energy as, as when they came off the Eagles game or excuse me, the Cowboys game thinking they were king shit and then they fell back down to rear back down to earth at this point, whether it's going to happen or not, the 49ers simply can't afford that. They have to win out. If the Eagles lose Sunday against the Cowboys, it is Sunday, right? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? If the Eagles lose against lose to the Cowboys, the 49ers are now the number one seed in the NFC with a first staring at a first round bye in the playoffs, which is massive. Can you imagine this team getting another bye? The last time they did that, they went to the Super Bowl. And and one of the most I mean, you could say easiest, dominant, whatever you want. They played the Vikings and made them look silly. They played the Packers, made them look silly, and then they went to the Super Bowl and they almost won it. You know, they had to go up against Patrick Mahomes and an absolutely stacked offense. But a first round buy is is everything for this team. Now, I'm not saying they can't do it without it, but for this team to just get another bye week that late in the year, right before the playoffs, like, man, so they bird or no bird, they can afford no losses from here on out. They've got to beat the Seahawks. They've got to beat the Cardinals. They got to beat the Ravens. They got to beat the Commanders and they got to beat the Rams and they got to hope that the Eagles dropped one in there, maybe two if they're just incredibly lucky. So, yeah, they they came off the Cowboys game looking like, you know, hammered dog shit, who am I heard from a a veteran. But they can't do that again, and they know they can't do that again. And maybe this game still gets weird because it's a divisional game and it's the Seahawks, But and I could see the Seahawks just coming out with reckless abandon, just throwing shots as often as they can, hoping to get some pass interferences, we're, we're we're on the cusp of missing the playoffs. Let's just do the damn thing and see what happens. Just slinging it. I could see the Seahawks, totally see the Seahawks coming out like that. Are the 49ers going to be able to respond in the way that a someone playing for the number one and overall seed should? The Seahawks are getting the same rest advantage that the 49ers got playing the Eagles. The Seahawks played the Cowboys on Thursday. Oh, man. You know what that makes me realize? The Eagles are playing the Cowboys, and the Cowboys have had that extended rest too. Man, what a stretch for the Eagles. Play the Chiefs, then play the Bills on a short week, I believe, either way, and then play the Niners, who are coming off a 10-day rest, and then play the Cowboys, who are coming off a 10-day rest. But you don't have to feel bad for for any team because the 49ers, um, in terms of rest disadvantages, led the NFL. Shout-out to Johnny Volk, social media, 49ers. So the Cowboys are coming off of the the rest, you know, that 10-day rest against the Eagles, and so are the Seahawks. So they're going to come down to Levi Stadium. They're going to be rested. They're going to be ready to roll. And uh, it's I think it's going to be an interesting game. The 49ers are better in, in every way, shape, or form. But that doesn't mean that games aren't going to aren't going to get weird. You know what I mean? You've we've seen it time and time and time and time again. No matter how much better one team is than another, when it comes to a divisional game, things just get weird. And I'll just say that over and over on this pod because it's it's never not true. Now the 49ers have had have had these Seahawks numbers. I think they've dominated them like five games in a row. The Seahawks started out solid this season. I want to say they started out like five and two. Let's check one and one. Two and one, three and one, three and two, four and two, five and two, you know, then six and three, then six and four, then six and five, then six and six, then six and seven. So they've lost like five in a row. 
So they're not riding on in high spirits, but they are coming off of a rest week. And, uh, and they can make this weird. They really can. They can make this weird. It's at Levi's Stadium. The crowd's going to be against them. Uh, they're on their their back is against the wall in terms of playoff contention. They've got very little to lose and a lot to gain. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Um, you know they and, and what the Seahawks are coming off. Uh, you know they are coming off a loss, but that loss was a forty-one to thirty-five loss against the Cowboys in Dallas. They gave the Cowboys everything that they can handle. Now that probably says more about the Cowboys than it does the Seahawks. The Cowboys haven't really beaten good teams. You know, they've lost to them, gotten dominated by them. They got dominated by the Seahawks. They lost to the Eagles. Um, but in the end, you know, the Seahawks are knowing that they, they probably punched above their weight on that one. They gave the nine and three Cowboys a run for their money. Um, Dak Prescott, another good game completed 70% of his passes for 299 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Geno Smith, he completed 56% of his passes for 334 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Uh, DK Metcalf had a massive game, six catches on eight targets for 134 yards and three touchdowns. Huge, huge. Jackson Smith and Jigba, seven catches for 62 yards. Tyler Lockett, five catches, 47 yards. Uh, the Seahawks were slinging it. They still ran the ball 22 times. They only averaged 3.3 yards a carry, but Geno Smith threw the ball 41 times. And uh, I, I think the 49ers defense is better than the Cowboys defense, but they share some similarities. They are, uh, I mean, 49ers defense is much better than the Cowboys defense. But I can see the Seahawks wanting to do the same thing against the 49ers. And um, can they do it? Eh. I mean, if you go back to the Eagles, excuse me, the Eagles game. Oh, you know what? I didn't pull up the Eagles game. Let me do it here. I don't want to close out of either of those tabs. Tab count. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 tabs. I love it. You win a new car. Anyway, I'm sorry. A little delirious. A little delirious. I wanted to pull up the stats from the 49ers-Eagles game. Sorry. It's just what I wanted to do. So even with how badly the 49ers dominated the Eagles, Jalen Hurts still threw 45 passes for 298 yards and a touchdown. So even when the 49ers are pushing somebody around on the field, they're still going to sling it. They're still going to take what the defense gives him. And I think that uh, that the, the Seahawks are going to attempt to do the same things against the 49ers. Try to make it a shootout. Try to throw the ball around. Try to throw it deep. Get a pass interference or two. They're just going to try and make it weird. They're going to try and make it weird. They know the 49ers are the better team in every way, shape, or form, so they're going to go for those weird plays. Now, NFL officiating is in freaking shambles. I mean, even today in the Patriots and Steelers game, they had that false or that offsides penalty called a false start because the center like lifted up his head to snap the ball. And I think refs have tried way too much this season to be the main character when they shouldn't be. They shouldn't. They should be in the background. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I, they're just my point with the Seahawks is they're just going to head into Levi's feeling a little bit reckless. They're going to throw the ball around. They're going to aim for some PIs. They're not, they don't have a lot to lose. They, they know that they're facing one of the best teams in the NFL and nothing would make them happier than to knock the 49ers down a peg or two in the NFC. Because if the 49ers lose and the Eagles and the lions win, then the 49ers are dropping all the way down to like the five seed. I think. If the Eagles were to beat the Cowboys and the Lions won, and they're playing the Bears, so Jesus, I think that would knock the 49ers all the way down to the five seed, and that would then knock the Cowboys down to the six seed because the 49ers would hold the tiebreaker over the Cowboys. That's just my super quick estimation as to what the hell would happen. You know, and so that would, I, I don't know if they have on here. No standings. I, I like it when they put it in a bracket so you can like see who the first matchup would be. I know it's out on the internet, but it's just not in the NFL is one that I'm looking at. So the 49ers just, they just have no room to mess around anymore. They they have no room. They have no, they have no leeway. So they can't afford to, they can't afford to, to underestimate the Seahawks. They can't afford to underestimate the Cardinals. Obviously the 49ers uh, Ravens game on Christmas is going to be huge. Huge game, massive implications. 
Um, but right now they just, they can't screw around. Can Traverius Ward lock down DK Metcalf again? Can Fred Warner do his thing? Can the pass rush get home without Eric Armstead? Uh, because remember Eric Armstead held down that interior, even before the 49ers had that cool performance against the Eagles where they were super unselfish in their rushes and they made sure they stay in their lanes, which is a great lesson for that group as a whole, by the way. But you know, there's just ways for the Seahawks to make this weird. And, uh, you know, it's can Traverius Ward repeat that type of performance again. You know, you go back and look at the first time they played the Seahawks and Charvarius Ward, there he is, had five tackles and three pass breakups. Three, that's, I mean, that's a big number in a game for pass breakups wise. And all three of them were on DK Metcalf. Uh, so can he repeat that? You know, there's a lot of stuff where if he can't, this game gets re- weird real quick. If the pass rush can't get home and Charvarius Ward slips up against DK Metcalf, boom, you've got a 70-yard play chilling. You know, it it can get weird. So the 49ers are going to have to make sure that they play this game as if it was somehow uh, a win or get in type of scenario because with their playoff standing, they just can't afford to do any less. They can't. That's that's just what it is. Uh, And that's what it is for me too. I think I'm done. I think that's all I need to say. Again, we don't need the the deep dive statistically into the Seahawks this time. We did that a couple weeks ago. Um, If you want to hear how the two teams stack up, all you got to do is go back like four or five pods and it'll be there. Um, it's, it's simple for the 49ers. You just, you've left yourself no room to screw up. So don't screw up. Keep it going. Um, keep the bird tour going. You've got to beat five birds. You can't beat four birds. You have to beat all five birds. You don't beat all five birds. You don't get the number one seed. It's that simple. The bird is the word. All right. I appreciate everybody. Thank you for listening to strike and gold. Thank you for supporting this podcast. I can't, can't say it enough. Can't say it enough. Um, if you feel like putting just a little more out there, jump on iTunes podcast, jump on Spotify, leave us a five-star review. Um, if you just feel like supporting just a little bit more, they're always appreciated and they're always noticed. Um, but again, you just being here listening is the, uh, the ultimate form of support, but as always, all good things must come to an end. Um, I will see you back here Sunday evening after the game, be on the lookout for the takeaway time tweets. Get up in there. If you've never been on takeaway time, get on Twitter, find me at Rob underscore louder and wait for my takeaway time tweet after the game. And we will get after it. Okay? We will get after it. Appreciate you guys. I'm Rob. This is striking gold and we are signing out. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.